This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you on this Tuesday afternoon. You can reach us at 403-974-TALK. That's 974-8255. Same number to phone us, same number to text us. We'll have more time for your calls and your texts coming up. But look, right now I want to turn our attention to what I think is is potentially a critical challenge facing humanity at the risk of sounding, uh, sounding dramatic here. But I think it's a kind of threat that maybe we've ignored for too long, but we still have time to to grapple with. That being the threat of a post-antibiotic world. The fact that we're seeing bacteria evolve to the point that they are resistant to all of our antibiotics. And we've been hearing these warnings for a long time. Uh, But we saw last month, public health officials in Nevada confirmed that a woman who died there in September died from a so-called superbug infection. 26 different antibiotics were tried. Each and every one of them were ineffective. So that's scary. Now, that's one person, obviously, but you think how we take antibiotics for granted. I'm sure right now at hospitals all across Calgary, uh, all sorts of surgeries are being performed today. Minor surgeries, major surgeries. We take for granted that if you get an infection during surgery, which is a real risk, we'll treat it with antibiotics. So you imagine a world where surgery is potentially a life or death decision. You got a strep throat, your kid's got an ear infection. Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do, right? That's scary. So uh, to that end, the World Health Organization trying to, to spur on the international community yesterday released a list of the 12 bacteria that we should be most concerned about. They've got it broken down into categories. There's critical, high, medium. But it tells us that we need to get a move on. Joining us for some further thoughts on all of this, Dr. Lori Burroughs joins us as a professor and associate chair of the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences uh, at McMaster University, also with the Institute for Infectious Diseases there. Dr. Burroughs, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, in your view, where, where are we when it comes to the, the threat and, and attempting to, to come to grips with it? So we are, we are, like you said, on the cusp of a post-antibiotic era. Um, we are really running out of antibiotics, and what we're having to do now is turn to the some of the older and more toxic ones that we've stopped using, and that's only because we're getting desperate. And now we're starting to see resistance even to those older toxic drugs. So pretty soon we're going to be left with no options. Wow. Now, I had read uh, somewhere that the last class of antibiotics that were developed, it's been about 30 years. Is that right? Yes, it's true. So... Most of the, they're what we call the golden discovery era for antibiotics was in the 60s. And most of the antibiotics that we've developed since then are sort of um, modifications of the original ones that were discovered. So antibiotics, um, most of our antibiotics come from soil bacteria. Um, and we've just kind of harnessed those and used them against other bacteria and in infections. But because they were originally evolved in soil, the resistance mechanisms are out there already. So we don't, we don't create antibiotic resistance, but we certainly amplify it by using so much antibiotics. Now, we knew this problem could present itself immediately. Have we uh, accelerated the problem through overuse of antibiotics? Oh, absolutely. So 
you know, one of the major drivers of um, antibiotic overuse has been agriculture, particularly animal husbandry. So um, for a long time, people um, gave livestock sort of subclinical doses of antibiotics because they help promote growth. And of course, you know, when you're when you're raising animals for food, the more the heavier they are, the more they, the more valuable they are. So, you know, that's been recognized as a major driver of resistance because those antibiotic resistance organisms that get selected that way end up in the food chain and make their way up into humans. So there's been a, a push from, you know, governments and industry to try to try to reduce the use of antibiotics in food animals. And so you see now, for example, fast food companies are starting to advertise that their their products are antibiotic and hormone-free, which is a great development. And what's interesting, too, and maybe people don't think about it, because, you know, if you ever prescribed antibiotics, the, the doctor always insists, make sure you finish. Make sure, you know, if you're supposed to take it for two weeks or 10 days or whatever, mm-hmm. make sure you finish, because uh, not doing so can also accelerate the problem. Is that right? Absolutely. So, you know, what happens is you, if you, if you stop taking your antibiotics too early, the concentration of the drug in your body drops below the level that's necessary to kill the organism, and that allows them to evolve resistance to the drug. And so once they evolve resistance, that doesn't go away. And then you have the opportunity of, you know, having that resistant organism in you. So next time you take the antibiotic, it won't work. Or you might accidentally pass that organism on to your children or your spouse, and then when they take the drug, it won't work. So it's a, it's a social problem because by not doing things correctly yourself, you're actually also potentially harming other people around you. Wow. Uh, now, the question then of, of why we don't have the next generation of antibiotics yet, because one could look at this and say, well, it seems simple enough. There's an obvious need for this. So to be the ones to be the first to develop this, isn't there enough incentive? Why isn't it happening then? So the the issue with antibiotic development is, you know, the pharmaceutical industry has divested itself in, in general from this area of um, research because it makes more economic sense for them to develop drugs for, for example, diabetes or, you know, high cholesterol or heart disease that you have to take every day for the rest of your life as opposed to an antibiotic which you would take for a week or two and then stop Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily um, you know cholesterol drugs and diabetes drugs there's no um, resistance that's going to develop to those drugs and make them useless whereas we've seen there's obviously antibiotic resistance that can develop and often it can develop very rapidly after the drug is introduced into the clinic so to prevent that hospital formularies when they get a new antibiotic, they tend not to use it. They tend to keep it um, in reserve just in case they need it. So, of course, that means that the company sells even less because the, the hospital doesn't want to use it unless they absolutely have to. So the economic model for making antibiotics is very broken right now. But what about the patent? I mean, wouldn't even the patent alone be, be valuable? So the patent is valuable, but you know, by the time you um, take a drug from the early discovery phase through all the safety studies and the clinical trials that you need, it can take you know close to 20 years to get a drug into the clinic, and that's the lifespan of a patent. So, you know, one of the incentives the government could provide is to extend patent life on antibiotics. Um, there's also been models discussed where you would get patents extended on other products if you also agree to develop antibiotics 
or you pay the company up front to develop an antibiotic so that they don't have to wait to see a return on their investment. And is the answer necessarily even going to be antibiotics? I was reading a story recently about the potential of this gene editing tool, CRISPR, which is being used, I guess, in a lot of different ways, that that might be one answer to dealing with superbugs. So might we find solutions elsewhere, too? Oh, absolutely. So when, you know, McMaster, where I, where I am, is um, we have a lot of uh, people working on different aspects of antibiotic resistance. So some of the things that we're working on include, for example, uh, administering an antibiotic with a second drug that blocks the resistance mechanism. So basically it holds the resistance mechanism at bay while the original drug does its job without getting chewed up by the resistance mechanism. Or we're, we are looking at how we can stimulate the immune system to help take care of the infection so that you need less antibiotic in the first place. We are looking at use of bacteriophages, which are viruses that specifically kill only bacteria and they're very good at blowing bacteria up so they've been used for a long time in sort of traditional medicine and once antibiotics started being used in north america that we kind of got away from using them but people are starting to go back to this because of the resistance problem so if we're going to see progress in these areas i mean do do governments need to be a part of this Do, do governments need to devote resources to to funding this research no, oh, absolutely, and I think you know this is one of the one of the things that precipitated this uh, WHO report yesterday. Is they're trying to uh, raise awareness with governments that this is this is not just a you know it's not a temporary problem. It's only going to get worse, and it's going to cost a, a huge amount of money. So last September, the United Nations held a, a very high high level, very unusual meeting on this problem, trying to bring together almost 200 countries to agree that they would recognize this as a problem and they would all work on it together because, you know, you can get on a plane and take your antibiotic-resistant bacteria anywhere within 24 hours. So it's not just a one country's problem or one continent's problem. It's a global problem. Right. And, and look, I mean, in a way, it's, it's already here. There are the three on this critical list. Uh, but, I mean, in your view, how much time do we have? How many years would it be before all 12 are on the critical list, for example? So <laughs> we're, we're almost there. I mean, like I said, people are starting to see completely resistant organisms. So, you know, right now we're, we're relatively lucky in Canada that we don't see those top three critical organisms very often. But the problem is, so the, the top three on the list um, are what are called carbapenem-resistant organisms. So they carry... Um, an enzyme that chews up a drug of last resort. So carbapenems are very powerful drugs that we use as a last resort. And those, those enzymes are carried on small pieces of DNA that the bacteria can easily swap among one another. So they're transferred easily to new organisms. And that is really scary for physicians because even if you can contain one, it can pass that to another organism and it can spread like wildfire. All right, but there's still time to. There to is still time, and we're yeah. work, You know, we're working hard. I mean, because the big pharmaceutical companies have gotten out of this area, it's been left to you know academics like us and small kind of biotech startup companies to try to at least do the early phase discovery research. But you know, we don't have the resources that it takes to do big clinical trials to get drugs approved. So we can only take it as far as we can, you know, to the point where we show it works, it kills bacteria, and it's safe in in maybe animal models, but we can't really get much beyond that without money.
Yeah, that's a great point. Well, we'll leave it there, Dr. Burroughs. Thanks for the insight on this. Appreciate you making some time for us here today. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Dr. Lori Burroughs at McMaster University of the Institute for Infectious Disease, also professor and department chair in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences. So one of the, the Canadian researchers uh, kind of at the cusp of all of this. So reason for alarm, but still, I think if there's a commitment to come to grips with the problem and find a solution to the problem, we do still have time. But it's scary to think that in some instances, we're already there. We already know what the problem looks like because we're seeing it with certain bacteria. And these defenses that they've evolved can be passed on to other bacteria, too. And so that's what's scary. So you get the three that are on this list and the critical. They're already resistant to our last resort drugs. Uh, There are six bacteria on the priority two, high part of the list that are already resistant to some heavy-duty antibiotics, too. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it is scary stuff. It, it does require some urgency, no doubt. 403-974-8255 is a number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.